Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. And welcome to a brand new year of the Coffeehouse. We've got a lot of great episodes planned for this upcoming year, so there is a lot to look forward to. And we're going to kick it off this week with a little dive into a common question. What's the difference between operas and musicals? Well then, let's jump right in and put a spotlight on this common subject. Operas and musicals have certain similarities that anyone can point out. They are both stage productions that include a big part of the story being told through song, and they are intended to be performed with live instruments. So Asa, both of us have experience performing in the pit orchestras for both musicals and operas. Um, what has been sort of your experience, your take on performing both of those genres? Well, from a performer's perspective, there's a lot more, at least from my perspective, there was a lot more interaction with the performers when we were playing in musicals, like a lot more musical cues and sort mm-hmm. of background music to scenes and things that we had to time and the performers had to time as well. Whereas with opera, it was still mostly sung. There was far less just kind of talking and acting than there was in the musicals, but it felt a lot more segmented if that makes sense. Sure. And I'd say my experience performing in musicals versus operas seems like, well, first off, all of the musicals I ever performed in were in high school. So they were kind of, I guess, more accessible for a wider, perhaps more immature, but, you know, audience. Um, Whereas operas, they seem to be of more of a kind of sophisticated nature. They're very of the classical genre of music rather than kind of more poppy or or jazzy like the musicals tended to be. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. And also something that I I find interesting is the division of which parts of an artistic organization perform operas versus musicals. So in musicals, it seems like it's always the theater department, quote-unquote, that is performing those whereas an opera is put on by the music department. So Interesting. You know, it's like the, the performers are musicians first, whereas Yeah, usually singers first, you know? Per- yeah. And like they're, they're vocalists, whereas in musicals, the performers are actors who are in singing roles, essentially. Yeah, I th- and I think that does come back to like the musicals. There were a lot, again, a lot more acting parts. Right. Mm -hmm. Far more scenes that did not involve somebody singing at the top of their lungs for five minutes. (laughs) And of course, at least in my experience, the operas that I've performed are are very old. Obviously, there's modern operas, but I think more people are able to name modern musicals since they're a modern invention. (laughs) Now, opera as a genre, I'm glad you brought that up. Opera as a genre actually started, of course, far earlier, way back in the Baroque era, and has evolved ever since. 
Of course, we think of Italy as the birthplace of opera, and that's true. Of course, there have always been theatrical works in Italy dating back to at least the Roman Empire, and often music was incorporated into these performances. But a notable innovation in the late 1500s was the introduction of the recitative. This is, quote, more than speech, but less than song, and allowed the momentum of the musical harmony to continue throughout a work. So when even dialogue or exposition was being spoken, there were musical elements taking place, and thus the entire work of an opera would be sung. One of the first composers we really recognize as cognizantly working and writing in the new opera genre was Claudio Monteverde, who lived from 1567 to 1643, which is the early Baroque period. And his first opera was The Fable of Orpheus, written in 1607. And of course, we see Orpheus being a common reoccurring character in the opera world throughout history. As we can tell by the use of recitative that allows non-stop singing throughout the whole work, music is really integral to the operatic work. In fact, many sources cite this as the primary difference between opera and musicals. In opera, the music is the most important, while in musicals, the words, counterintuitively maybe, are the most important. For a long time, all operas were written in Italian, even by non-Italian composers. However, for that reason, it did take longer for the opera genre to become popular in countries like France and England until composers actually started writing in their own vernacular. However, once an opera is written in a given language, it's generally not translated for performance in different languages. The point should be that as long as the audience has an overall idea of the plot and the characters' relationships in the story, that the feelings of the music coupled with the stage acting should be good enough to tell the whole story, regardless of language. And ideally coupled with little subtitle projectors in the theater that you're <laughs> watching. Ah, uh, yes, a modern invention. <laughs> Indeed. That has increased my enjoyment of operas significantly. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit like a ballet in that way, though. In the world of opera, the singers can even get a leg up on the ballerinas since they use their voices. In contrast, though, musicals are intended to be in the language of their audience. For example, Phantom of the Opera, a <laughs> musical with worldwide popularity, was originally written in English by Andrew Lloyd Webber and had been adapted from an original French story. However, for the most part, when it is performed in a non-English-speaking country, it is often translated into the native language of that country so that the story will be fully understood. We also see musicals not using the recitative style to deliver the non-singing dialogue. Though characters easily break into song and dance, apparently mid-sentence sometimes, they are speaking normally between these musical numbers. For example, in the acclaimed musical Wicked by Stephen Schwartz and Winnie Holtzman, there are long periods during the scenes where the story is propelled forward by acting dialogue alone. In contrast, evidence would actually support that Hamilton, famously thought of as a musical, is actually an opera, as even the parts that are not, quote, sung, are being rapped, which could be a stand-in for the recitative. And of course, not all operas follow this rule either. Famously, Mozart's The Magic Flute does have periods of full dialogue, rather than using recitative, as does Bizet's Carmen. But another difference some propose for the genres of opera and musical is the style of singing and dancing. 
In opera, the singing is obviously very virtuosic. The resonating tones of operatic voices was first developed to fill large concert halls that didn't have the benefit of modern-day microphones and amplification. And even today, opera performers can perform without being miked. In contrast, though musical performers are still well-trained vocalists, it's obviously a different style. It's more poppy, and the performers often need to use mics to be heard over the pit orchestra. Musical performers are also expected to be able to not only sing, but also dance and act for that matter. An opera performer's main job on the stage is to just deliver the beautiful vocals, and if they get a little dancing thrown in, well, that's great, but it's not their main focus. And in fact, some operas even have dedicated sections of a work for a specific and different ballet troupe to perform the required dancing. In contrast, in musicals, those numbers are often highly choreographed for the entire cast, thus forcing a vocalist to be able to sing and dance all at once. These are kind of the differences between the operettas of Gilbert and Sullivan versus the musicals of Rodgers and Hammerstein. So then, what about when, quote, serious composers write something that for all intents and purposes seems to be a musical? That's right, Bernstein, we're looking at you. Because West Side Story is obviously a musical, right? It has spoken dialogue, it's in English for its native audience, and oh boy is there ever singing and dancing. <laughs> but Bernstein was a classical composer and he knew all about opera. You'll often hear the suite from West Side Story performed by high-level orchestras because of the great quality of the music. And Bernstein took a page out of Wagner's book and uses light motifs, which you'll recall are short melodic snippets that represent people or ideas that are heard throughout a work. And though musicals themselves do have a cohesive tone to all of their songs, they often don't use these particular little snippets that appear again and again to give signals and hints to the audience. So then, did we clear that up for you at all? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but overall, if you're going to the theater to watch a performance, in the end, it doesn't really matter, does it? What genre it can be sorted into, as long as you have a good time. And who knows? Maybe in 300 years, musical scholars will be studying musicals the same way they study now things like opera buffa, for example, as just another evolution of the musical performance genre. And into 2021, this is an evolution of the coffee house, and we are so glad that you could join us for it. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share us with a friend, family member, or like-minded colleague. And definitely, if you have any questions, reach out to us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. For the Coffee House Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries was performed by the University of Chicago Orchestra, conducted by Barbara Schubert. You can find The Coffee House on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and follow or subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. 